welcome to Filmstrip. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Well, welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And this is our review of Sharks in Venice, starring Stephen Baldwin, Vanessa Johansson, Hilda Vandermeulen, and Giacomo Janella. Directed by Danny Lerner, released in 2008 on DVD and TV and places like that, and a lot of reused footage. So, Brian, Sharks in Venice. Um, this has been a long time coming for us here on Film Strip. <laughs> By my Amazon records, you and I bought some cheap DVDs in 2011 for some reason. Please remind me why we, we did that. I think it was because the Sharknado films were all the rage at the time. And I just so happened to see this. I think I got mine at Target of all places <laughs> in like a, a discount bin. It might have been Best Buy even. And I thought, well, you know, the shark craze is cool, and this looks awful. So, Jay, what do you think? And, and, <laughs> and that's kind of how it rolled. <laughs> yeah, and I think for 99 cents and a quarter later, I, I got mine in the mail. And funny thing is, though, I didn't even drag my DVD out to rewatch this, because this is on Popcorn Flicks, the app, right now. If you want to sit through some oh, commercials, wow. well, you, you can go. watch this. So that's how I rewatched it. <laughs> All of you listeners don't even have to spend a dollar Right. You just go to this popcorn flicks and watch it for free. Exactly. You know, I think I spent three or four dollars on mine. <laughs> so Yeah, so yeah. Um Sharks in Venice. So we I mean, we're gonna get into the plot summary here a little bit, but first off, Stephen Baldwin. Um I know him. I think most of the world will know him from the usual suspects and some of the other action y kind of films he did. Um I, I think he's done some TV and stuff. I haven't really kept up with him. He's the bald one I've, I've least kept up with, I, I guess, through the years. Uh, but at the time in 2008, I don't know what else he would have been doing other than this kind of stuff. So um, apparently he was the get of the film, according to all the background stuff I read. Well, I mean, if you look at the cast, it's no doubt. <laughs> he's got the name, right? The right. Baldwin name holds some weight in... Wherever this was, Holly. If this is even Hollywood, but no, this was made in Bulgaria, my friend. They they made this on the cheap. Bulgaria would. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, he's got the the name recognition. So anyone sees a Baldwin on the cover, I guess maybe they think it must be something decent. Well, and Stevens probably the least well known Baldwin of the what is it? Three or four brothers that there's, act. There's four. There's Daniel, Alec, and William or Billy, and then him. I. I don't know. I think you could, you maybe could argue that William was that, but I don't. I don't know. I mean, again, he's just the, he's one of the other Baldwin's. He's probably. I mean, again, that that, and I want downsell it. Like he's really good in Usual Suspects, like, and he's good in a few other things I've seen him in, where he plays like a cop or something like that. He's just not like a go-to. But for this kind of low rent, you know, straight to DVD type movie. Sure. You know, you're not going to get Alec Baldwin to do this, right? Because even he discerned someone. <laughs> no. And and you probably, you know, you may not ask the other one. So Stephen Baldwin doing this. Sure. Stephen Baldwin seemed to be the one that always took these roles as kind of the tough guy on the side. Alec Baldwin did that early in his career, but then, you know. Well, and you on. could tell because he's a little more bulked up than the other Baldwin brothers. Right. You know, Alec is has got a little bulk to his body, but it's not like Stephen. Stephen's more of a weight witty, lifty kind of guy. Yeah, he's probably, and, I think he's a little smaller, too. He's, like, shorter. He's a little wiry. He's, yep, you know? short and stocky. Yeah. Uh, and then the other Baldwin is really thin and got that long hair. 
Right. And I and I don't know any of these other actors in this movie and I don't know that um, why would nope. I want to, right? Like right. So, I'm curious, is Vanessa Johansson related to Scarlet? I and I don't, I don't even so. know. I don't yeah. think so. No, I I don't think so <laughs> even closely. No. Uh so but I don't know Danny Lerner from anything either, but you're right. This was in a time when the shark craze uh was just about to hit us again, you know, like we had it been a while since we had like shark movies in, in theaters, but they were coming back, man, like in, in the mid to late 2000s and then before Sharknado hit and that was its own thing. Killer shark attack movies. I mean, there was like Lou, Lou Diamond Phillips had one on TNT once with Christy Swanson or something. I may be conflating two movies together there, but there was that. There was, you know, they, they've made a, a resurgence back to theaters though in recent years like we've had like legit shark movies again in movies so i i mean I, you, you know, can you can uh, blame you can totally blame shark week for that yeah you know, absolutely. shark week became a mm-hmm. huge deal and i think that spawned all this i think also the fact that there's so much freaking shark footage now available <laughs> that people can sell like the b-roll from shark week i think you're exactly right i think that people are selling that footage and then studios are Cutting around it with some plastic fins and some <laughs> bad hair gel, and there we go. So, but now this movie though is something different though, because like it disguises itself as a shark movie, but the sharks are kind of the side piece in this movie. Like this is a whole other thing that we're going to get into as we go. But I guess before we go any further, if people aren't going to take the time to watch it on popcorn flicks or buy DVDs like we did, why don't you tell people what the plot summary of Sharks in Venice is and, and go into as much detail as possible? Because I don't think it's possible to step through this movie the way normally would so just tell everybody everything they need to know <laughs> all right after learning about the mysterious disappearance of his father david franks played by stephen baldwin and his girlfriend laura played by vanessa johansson travel to venice to try and find the body while diving for clues david comes across a large treasure after narrowly escaping an attack from a giant shark at some point david passes out and wakes up in a hospital bed after two days in a coma as he and Laura are leaving the hospital, they are told to meet a, quote, businessman named Vito Clemenza for dinner at a fancy restaurant. There, Vito offers David $2 million in advance to lead him to the treasure with a promise of more upon retrieval. Laura tells him no, but they caution her to think about it as David and Laura leave. The two decide to go sightseeing in the morning and then head home. But before they can leave, Laura is attacked and kidnapped by the, quote, businessman's thugs. David finds out where she is being held after threatening one of the thugs with a saw blade to the head. But when he shows up, they capture him. Vito tells David that he is the one that put sharks in the Venice waters, which, by the way, the cops want nobody to know about. Vito put the sharks in the water to keep people from finding the lost treasure before he could retrieve it. David then finds out that one of the detectives, Sophie Toddy, played by Helen van der Mullen, was working with Vito the whole time. David is forced to find the treasure again or risk the slow and painful death of Laura. David leads the lead thug, Rossi, to the treasure and narrowly escapes being executed before coming back to confront Vito. This time... The detective turns on Vito, and the police show up, and there is a major shootout between Vito's thugs and the cops. In the end, David and Laura are safe and tell the lead detective that the turncoat Sophie was actually a hero. Before heading home, David gives Laura a necklace that he stole from the treasure as some sort of engagement gift, and she tells him that they won't be honeymooning in Venice. The end. What the heck? (laughs) 
I don't know, man. There's so much to get into there. And what we already know coming in, like, this is a dumb premise, right? The whole point is, can this be any fun, right? Can we have any fun? And what we get here, Brian, is we get some, you know, adventure, treasure hunting, and we get a little mafia and some ugly stereotypes and some killer fish to just go along with it because why not? Right? Like that's the whole, this whole thing is a big treasure hunt. So it's national treasure, but dumber. (laughs) Very much dumber. It's a poor man's Raiders of the Lost Ark. With, with some sharks and some like low rent, non Godfather, Godfather esque stuff like Vito Colomenza. Come on, man. Like that's, that's ripping off two different things from the Godfather. (laughs) I mean, they might as well call him like spaghetti ravioli or something like that. And he plays it about the same thing. And the guy's Italian. That's what's killing me. It was like, they got a real Italian and this is the garbage he has to do, but whatever. So the, the whole premise here, and, and I will say it's, it's kind of a neat setup. We get this underwater diving thing. And what I love in movies is when they do the whole, the respirator has a microphone. Again, something else we can thank Shark Week for is introducing us to the idea that, yes, these things do exist and we can record people talking underwater. But it usually sounds a lot like this. And, you know, it's just... Every breath comes out like that when you're doing it. And in these movies, it's clear as day. And over here, you will see the sunken Spanish galleon. And I love the overdub as we're just supposed to buy that they're under 50 feet of water doing that. Well, and my favorite thing is, too, they show them with, the, with their complete lips wrapped around the breathing apparatus <laughs> yeah. as if they can form perfect words without using any lips at all. It's just, what the heck? No, but but yeah, whatever, it, it, Nick and I talked about and that yet, in Dark Man. When, they, when they can, yeah, when his yeah, lips are can, burnt off, he, he sounds funny, you know. Yeah, they can talk perfectly fine, but the the video sucks. Yes, they can't get a clear picture. Right, we can't get we can't get, get cameras, but we got great audio. Right, so we haven't yeah, come there. I, I, I mean, guess. and those things do exist. Again, the respirator masks that you can talk in are full masks, so you're not biting onto something the way that you are in the traditional. But they ain't got no money for none of that crap in this movie, so it's just the no. standard scuba gear. You know? So. And and we're to, but we have to you know give it that. So if if you'll give every movie its opening gimme just to try to go with it, fine. We'll let that go. But what we learn through later tale and uh, for what we see here is that this guy is leading people on a treasure hunt, and then a giant shark comes out of nowhere and attacks him and kills him. But what you just yeah. uh, but here here's my thing. He's leading the mafia to the treasure. But they put sharks in there to stop him from getting to it, but it also stops them? Well, no. Or am I confused well, no, I, I, here's, uh, You're confused, I think, a little bit. I mean, okay. the sharks are put in there by Vito in order to stop anyone from finding the treasure before him. So uh, David's father ah, is some, some all-time archaeologist or some crap that has been a diving guy expert and trying to find this lost Medici whatever – treasure that's sitting in venice in the water so we see in the opening scene that his father and the diving crew that he's with is has found something they found the marker that marks where this treasure is right but before anyone could go any further to investigate it more here comes the big shark and attacks everybody and basically kills them all Right. Right. So he now, Vito, knows exactly where this treasure is at that point. 
And so now he just has to find someone to go find it. Right. And that's where David comes in because David comes to look for his dad because he's called in to identify the body and it's neither one of the guys that are there. And so he asks to go hunting for his dad's body. And, of course, the cops there tell him he has to sign some stupid confidentiality agreement saying he won't mention anything about sharks being in the water. Because it's going <laughs> to kill I- the swimming tourists. Event. Oh, wait, people don't do that. Um, yes. No. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, okay. Let me just break crazy. down the whole premise here for just a second. Well, like, I get it now. You're right. You've cleared, cleared that up for me. So I understand now. How did the mobster, the Italian mobster, one, secure the sharks to guard the treasure? Moreover, how did he know that they would do that other than just do what sharks <laughs> do, which is swim around and look for stuff to eat? Like, well, how did a he line. keep? Did he get a bubble screen to keep them there? Like, really? Like, no. there's no. He didn't have a laser on their head. Like, how does he know the sharks, sharks will with be good? Laser beams. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, he says in the movie, as he, he, as all bad guys do, they confess everything before well, it's, it's sending someone to their motif. death. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. so he tells him that it was his plan all along. He he bought the sharks as babies, put them in the water, and then they grew big. <laughs> That's all he basically says. <laughs> they're they're <Okay>. guppies. <laughs> and apparently, the, when they grow big, they're mean and vicious. Hey, and I got news for you. Attacked. Baby sharks are just as vicious. As, and so is that damn song. So <laughs> just, so, just so we can get on the record and say that, too. So, um, well, it's not so much that sharks are vicious. Let me take that back. Sharks know how to do three things. Swim. Bite, eat, and make other sharks. That's what they do. So, like, they don't have hands, so the mouth is the hand. And occasionally that means eh, we touch things we're not supposed to. So that that's not anything new. Like, that's what amazes me about this, right? That we still have sharks as, like, the bad guys in movies. Um, but nowadays it seems like they're more like you just get into a situation where there are sharks and that's your bad luck that gets you more than the shark is maniacally hunting you these sharks are definitely from like the jaws 3 and jaws 4 versions of sharks where they are like they're on a mission you know or maybe deep blue sea like they they have the brains to understand like no you get the 9 to 12 shift murray and i get the 12 to 3 or whatever like they are guarding this treasure with their lives um wow (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I would have preferred uh, to be told that they're specially trained sharks by the Medici, right? Uh, right. That they put them there, but no, apparently Vito did. And I don't know. Maybe he has some sort of mind control over them. Who knows? But Voodoo. they definitely only attack people who are near the. Although we do get a stupid scene in the middle of the movie out of nowhere where these two drunks are sitting there and the shark comes up and eats them. Right, because uh, we have to have the drunk nowhere. couple arguing on the on the deck and one of them just gets taken down because yeah, they got too close to the water because sharks can smell you out of the water too. Right, um, especially if you're not bleeding. Yeah. I, man, I uh, so many problems. Um, so if let me just ask you this, though. If we took away the shark element of this, like if they called this movie Sharks in Venice, but it was like a play on words and it was about the yeah. evil gangsters, like this would almost work if it was just like a murder mystery. Like if the guy was digging in a hole and then like he got killed in a cave in. But that also tipped off V. Like, it would work if you didn't have the stupid or shark. Or if they had them get to the, the, the area and he got killed by the booby traps. Because right. we need to mention that when David finds the treasure, there are several booby traps as he makes his way towards it. 
and he narrowly escapes them all, of course. And then when the next, well, and then the next thugs come in and they never trigger him again, which blew my mind. I would have thought at least one of them would gotten those stakes to the face or something. Uh, but nope, n- none of them trigger him again. It's very Indiana Jones, like you said. That that's the the part we get there. But that's what I'm I'm getting at though. Like if this was just sort of a B rent C C level, you know, cops and robbers kind of movie, it it almost sort of works if you take out the shark element. The introducing the shark part is where I I'm, can't believe I'm going to say this next sentence is where this movie goes wrong, Brian. Because as a crime <laughs> film, it sort of works, but it's when you introduce the shark part that I I'm I'm left again with more questions that that there are no answers to. I agree. I think that had they just took the shark thing out completely, because it really absolutely serves no purpose. There, the, there's zero reason for these sharks to even be in this film. The whole point of the film is to so that the mafia guy can get the treasure and become even more rich than apparently he already is. So there's way other more ways for them to go about this and still have death and whatever mayhem without the sharks. And good lord, the whole, every time the shark is coming, they do this cut scene where you get like this super speed way look at like you're looking at the shark and then this shark attacks. And it's like I could have done without any of that. But you're right. If they would have kept this to just this mafia guy has found where the treasure is, but it's so dangerous that people keep dying and he has to find more people to go in and get it. That would have been much better. Well, it would have at least everything like, else is it would have been like logical. Now, the the other part here that I I've got to ask about because you even said it in the plot summary. See the cop, like he's got a dirty cop helping him out, right? Because that's a trope in all these movies too, right? So yeah. we've got a dirty cop helping us out, but then the heroines let her go because they have a soft part for her. What? Well, no. So she turns on him, right? Right. That's why I she said turns turncoat. on him just so she can have all the money. So. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought. I thought, oh, now she knows exactly where it is, so now she's going to take it for herself. <laughs> but then she gets shot in the melee, and they they claim that she's a hero and she's all happy about it. Like, really? Yeah, why like, did she live? Like, that, that was my other question. How did she live at the end of this? Uh, it made zero sense. Like, why would you? Why would you just be like, eh? You know, no big deal. No, no harm, no foul. You got shot. I guess you we're even. Right. <laughs> for, we, we can almost killing me. Yeah, we can't undersell the fact that the shootout in this is absolutely insane. <laughs> like it is, it is. Like we are dropping bullets like a Rambo movie. So. Yeah, and where did all all these mafia guys come from? Too, I mean, like it's they like were they like spawn in the game or something. <laughs> yes. like, you know? All of a sudden, they come out of nooks and crannies you didn't know existed, and hey, you, there's Brian, hundreds of them. Oh. Back when I had a PlayStation Two, I played the original, like the Godfather video game, and part of what you're doing in that is you go around to the other like. Uh, compounds of the other families and and your boss levels are to raid the compounds one at a time and take them out and when you're doing that you're like on a one-man solo rambo mission to do it and there are dudes (laughs) crawling out in like suits and ties with machine guns from everywhere and i felt like i was watching that in this movie again too it's like when when the enemy spawns man they're just on you 
mean, it's, it is crazy where these dudes roll out of. And again, um, we get the good action movie trope, uh, even live in 2008, where people can fire thousands of rounds of ammunition and never once stop to reload. Not one oh, and that's damn my, time. That's my favorite part, too, is when Laura takes the gun and she starts firing at people. And she must have fired eight shots. And no worries. She's still got plenty of ammunition left in that gun. She fires eight shots nice having gun. at least four times never even pulled the trigger. She's just sort of jerking oh, yeah. the prop gun back and forth. Like, and, and I realize this is a low-budget movie. You don't have one prop master that can show these people how to hold a gun and make it look sort of real. I mean, now some of these people have done enough movies. Like Baldwin's done enough of these. Like he knows what he's doing. The, some of these folks, like you can tell, they had never held a weapon, never fired one, have no idea what it looks like. And now I'm dinging a movie that has sharks as bodyguards for a treasure for the weapon accuracy. But that's just where I am at this movie because I've already decided <laughs> if we didn't have the sharks, this might actually work. Like that's that's the crazy part about this man is that as dumb as this is, it might actually work if they just like spent maybe ten thousand dollars more and not had sharks. Let's not confuse might actually work with it would be good because I don't. Think oh that's yeah, what you're saying. yeah, yeah. As a as a movie plot and uh, story, yeah, it would probably work better. The sharks had zero place in there, and you know. Ah, I don't get it. And then the best part is that at towards the end of the movie, the sharks start attacking everyone around and people are seeing these sharks attack everyone and yet nothing comes of it. We get a news report that says the police are are uh, investigating mysterious disappearances of many people. I'm like, it what kind of control? <laughs> what kind of control does the state have over the media in Italy? Holy uh, cow. Very lots. Yeah. Apparently, right? Or at least that's what we're led to believe by this stupid movie. You know, I mean, really, like that. It is. It is uh, because I mean, it is. Let's not make this. Up. It's not like nighttime kills. It is broad daylight. People in the gondolas, you know, going down the little you know romantic path or whatever in between the buildings, and friggin' CGI sh- sharks jump up and splash the boats, and that represents them getting killed. Right, yeah. like that's what, and we have the woman at the window. Like that's the greatest reaction too. You can see it online for free if you don't watch the whole movie. It's a YouTube clip of like the the attack, and this woman looks at the window, and clearly the direction was just act like you just saw someone eaten by a shark, and she just does the best with that that she can. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it is it is so <laughs> dumb. Um, I I'd mean, be like sitting there going, ooh. Uh, no, really, it'd be like, <laughs> did I did I just see a shark like attack somebody in a in a lazy? Gondola, maybe I don't know. There's ah, that. That's the thing too, and that's what that's what gets me is even in 2008, we're we're propagating this idea that sharks are just these bloodthirsty killers, right? Like they didn't do anything to like tempt the sharks. There's not extra blood in the water where there's a frenzy. These sharks right. just every now and then are like, you know what, man. F this garden, the treasure stuff. Like I'm going after these people in these boats. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Why am I here to begin with? I'm hungry, and they're not putting enough fish in here, <laughs> or something, right? Like, <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. It's no, pretty no, bad. we got, we got to talk about Baldwin though, man, because mm-hmm. he is doing his best, like strung out on the jagged edge of reality, uh, private eye cop. Uh, whatever adventurer that he's supposed to be. Right. And the whole thing is like the inside joke is that him and his girlfriend are together and like, he's having trouble pulling the trigger and putting a ring on it, you know? So, and this horrible experience is what kind of convinces him to sort of do that with some buried treasure of some sort. But like, that's his whole story, right? Like the gumshoe that can't commit. 
and and the loyal his girl Friday that's you know, by his side no matter what. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yes, and kind of like uh, I really honestly thought he was going to tell her, "I'm sorry, I have to do this." <laughs> When when she told him that if he goes through with the helping the the mafia guy, she wasn't going to be there with him, and then he just says, "Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry," and I'm like, "Oh well, that's lame." <laughs> well, can I ask you like why? I, I need to know from a thematic reasoning in the story why Laura is a part of this other than to just be captive bait to influence him to go along with the evil people's plans. Like, well, is she because, anything more than the damsel in distress? Well, n- no. I mean, that's what her role is. But she tells him when he's about to leave, because his father's died, right. that she's going to go with him to help him through this tough time. What any right girlfriend would do, right? I mean, that's what you do as a girlfriend. And then she's already there, and so she just gets involved in it. My thing is, okay. you know, she's got more balls than he does. <laughs> sitting there right next to a mafia guy saying we're not doing this and like basically telling him off and practically walking did, out on a mafia did, guy like whoa what are you did doing? she know <laughs> that it was a mafia guy like did oh, she pick up course. on that of course i don't know that they, she did told... dude i look I, i'm no. not trying to be a sexist jerk i'm honestly saying i don't think this woman plays it as if she knows what is happening in this scene like she's not sure i think sure. they both knew right away when they said this is a meeting you don't want to miss this is a gentleman you don't want to not <laughs> see the offer you can't refuse is that what that is this man wants to meet you for dinner. You should be there. You don't want to not show up for this guy. I think that's a good hint. Do, do you know what that sounds like? The, and his thugs also remind me of the TV guy that was running the station trying to get Hulk Hogan in No Holds Barred. Like, it's the same It's the same thing, is it not? Like, when I was watching this, I was like, it's the same set of thugs that Brill had or whatever. I was hoping that, uh, you know, he, he tells... David, that uh, if he doesn't go back in and get him that treasure, that he would give Laura a slow, painful, but enjoyable death. And he would have a lot of fun doing it, right? So then. Slow, painful, enjoyable death. (laughs) Well, for him, enjoyable for him. Uh, And then David comes back after taking out his thugs. Yeah, and it basically comes back and confronts him with a gun, and the guy grabs her. And I was hoping that Vito would like kind of chicken out, you know, mm-hmm. the the typical mafia boss who uh, is more talk than action. And he's sitting there with the gun, and he kind of like pee himself or something. Well, I mean, he does give him a line like, "There's something I can't remember the entire context, but he says something to the effect of like, hey, hey, you do what you got to do, man.'" I mean, and like all I needed him to do was to do the David Caruso from CSI Miami and put some sunglasses on and turn around. Because that, that was exactly that line delivery at that point from Steve well, Baldwin. He's Great not going to do that. He already, he already showed that he actually cares about Laura. He's not going to just walk away. Right. So, but but you the know, fact that he would say that is even the – that's what I'm saying. Like this movie is all over the place. And you said like the – you did the whole like what when they get the cop and say she's the hero. I firmly believe, dude, like that was a late rewrite. <laughs> or something, and they're like, "Oh no, no, no. y'all are gonna let her off and like be okay with her now?" And they're sure, <laughs> you know that that was just a late minute edition. You even saw that the lead detective or whatever <laughs> the guy is, the boss or her boss or whatever. I'm, I'm not even sure what his 
title is, to be honest with you. But you even saw there that he was asking them, he said, you have a confession to make on something and inferring that she was in on the whole thing. And then that's when they kind of said, oh, no, as far as we're concerned, she's a hero. And when right. I, I was just I'm like, so, wait, 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 what just happened here? Yeah. She just almost got them killed like multiple times. Right. And yet they're like, it's cool. You got shot. You're, you're good. You, you saved us from being dead, I guess. Right. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, in the mass shootout where there's bullets flying around everywhere, we, we got to talk about it too, because she's mentioned in the blood summary where David threatens one of the thugs with a saw blade to the head. Like, is he just going to push that in Seriously, real hard? Right. <laughs> like, I, I'm like, this is our hero and he's about to murder someone. Really? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know, man. That's taking it a little too far, I think. Well, thought. it's not only that. He's going he's gonna to murder them, Brian, like very slowly. Like, if you've ever seen the South oh, Park where painful. Cartman decides to kill Kyle with a wiffle ball bat, and it's I just going to take a while. Wow. <laughs> and he just keeps hitting him like, you're going to drift off to sleep any moment now. I mean, I'm like, what's he going to do with that saw blade? Like, press it in very slowly into your skull. This guy's not Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando where he can throw that through somebody's head. Like, what's he going to do with that? Like, this, It's just the most random weapon laying around, too. Like, if he had a knife in your pocket or something like, like on his throat, I get it. But... Saw blade to the yeah, head, but, but sure, but, but but a knife probably doesn't scare the guy as much as a freaking saw blade coming at your skull. I mean, jeez. <laughs> I guess uh, but... for someone who's supposed to be a good guy, that's a very very large intent to kill someone. Well, well you brought up something there, and and I think it's a good a good thing to talk about is he's the protagonist because you know his father's died, and we we feel for him for that. And he's sort of this amateur treasure hunter, but he's not. I don't, know, like, I don't think he's a treasure hunter. I think he's just a, a diver. No, I'm saying he he becomes an amateur treasure yeah, hunter because okay, he's a sure. diver and stuff like that. But he he's not like it's not like he's you know Captain America over there. He's not honorable <laughs> in any way. He's just our into the the story, right? So it's I guess oh, he's I'm, the least scuzzy person on screen, which that's weird to say about Stephen Ball. I don't know. I mean, it, what? Uh, what makes you think he's not honorable? The, well, the fact that he tries to kill somebody with a saw blade, that's well, yeah, Yes, at so. that point, I agree. But up until that point, he's all been honorable. He's honored everything that they've asked. And all he really wants to do is find his dad. I, I guess. And then I, secondly, finish his mission. Maybe it's the whole, just the... Maybe it's just the way he's playing it. Like, I don't know. I, I fully expected the third act turn to be that Baldwin was in on this with the mafia the whole time. And then the shark <laughs> element was just like one step too Wouldn't far. That be something? You know, <laughs> like, like, I was in for this veto to you brought those damn sharks. I was waiting for to be in on it, right? <laughs> like, you wanted Laura comes, to be in on it? That, that would yeah, actually make more sense than the cop. She, yeah. Well, it would give you more sympathy for Stephen Baldwin, that's for sure. But uh, right. when, when she comes out with no ties, no handcuffs, no anything. She just kind of walks into the picture after he's like, I want to see her and make sure she's okay. Like, what are you doing? Like, you were just, there was nobody holding her. She just kind of walked over there like, freaking run. Yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) Like, you're free. Go. Nobody's restraining you. Again, uh, I think I think late minute rewrite. Like maybe she was in on it, and then they when they were going to reshoot, they couldn't get her back. She and looked like, like she'd be in on it. That's we'll just have sure. to go with it. Okay, so why did you say that though? So, so I'm judging just the Baldwin. looks that she gives. Okay, right. I mean, if you look at her facial expressions throughout this movie, she seems like she's shady. 
the whole time. And yet she's not. It's just like, okay, I can't read this person apparently. I don't know. That's the sense I got. I thought she was totally going to turn on him at some point or, or be in on something or whatnot, but it didn't happen. Well, her whole agency is to just be supportive girlfriend who hopes to be a, a wife to this guy the whole time. Like Other than that, she doesn't really have any like her of her own motivation. So I agree with you. It would have been so much cooler if she had been like in on it. And this was all an elaborate ruse of some sort. Like she knew like David's dad could not do this dive. It wasn't, you know, and when he died, like you know, that, that could have been an accident actually. And then, so she knows the only other person that can do this is him because he's like super diver man or whatever. He's friggin' Aquaman. And, but she's got to <laughs> convince him somehow to do it. So she sets it up with the dad. Like you want to get real sinister. We'll go, we'll go total like days of our lives. She was having an affair with the dad too. And she convinced him he could do it because he was trying to do better than the son. And I don't know. I mean, oh my. You, you can, I mean, see, this is already a more interesting movie. Like we're not even talking about the actual movie. And the reason is because the actual movie is pure garbage. Like there's nothing. To see. <laughs> like, it's so bad. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not good. So let's talk about the sharks though, because we've talked about the fact that they've used a lot of B-roll shark week footage to show us, you know, various sharks of various sizes doing all kinds of things to fish in the water uh, and then played off as human. But when they actually have like some puppet shark action, like there's some serious good, like cardboard painted on plywood sharks in this movie. Like it's, it is hilariously bad. Oh, it's, it's terrible. But I do have a question, Jay, and I don't know if you caught this. So the the first time that he goes in and gets the treasure, right, and they show him heading out, and he jumps in the water and then gets attacked by the shark like he was committing suicide, right? Because didn't he say, like, I love you, whatever, to his girlfriend on the microphone and then jumps in the water with no suit, gets attacked by a shark. You see a freaking leg floating in the water, and then he's awake in the hospital bed two days later. So From we're the supposed, coma. yeah. Yeah. So are we supposed to believe that all that was after he passed out and he imagined himself getting killed by the shark? Or I thought there were other people with him. But the they all died. Time. Yeah, no, but like that's what she saw were body parts that floated to the top finally. No, because he jumped back into the the pool, the 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 hole that where yeah. the water is, and was going to come back, and he went right for the sh- the shark. He was going to attack him with his tank, and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. And I'm just like, and then all of a sudden he's in the hospital, and I fully expected him to have no leg, and like they found him and he was okay, and he walks out the next scene, and you're like, what the hell? What was that all about? I. I think that was a mistaken footage or something. I, I think I think again, this is a poorly put together movie that that changed directions a lot of different times. So uh. I, I I don't know. We're missing a character there. Like I honestly, like I remember that scene, and all I remember is that he got put into a coma because he got bit on the shoulder or something. But okay, why? See, so, why did, so you you see that he got bit too? Yeah, and, I think he got okay. bit. Yeah, I thought he passed out in the chamber, and they oh, found. Oh no, no, no! Well, no, I he think, couldn't have because then they would have known where the treasure was. So exactly. I, I think confusing. I think he got bit going back in there to rescue somebody, get the treasure, say hi to the shark. I don't know, but he got bit somewhere along the way, and then that's how he ended up in the coma. But I guess the sharks were full of everybody else at that point, and had decided that they didn't need to eat Stephen Baldwin um, because why wouldn't I, they just eat him entirely? And this becomes Laura's movie. 
at that point, right? Because, I mean, this happens all the time. Like, you cast the name actor, and then they just kind of peace out, you know, <laughs> after yeah. being your first build early on. I, why not? I don't know how that didn't happen. Like, really? Because she, yeah. I don't know. It's it's dumb. It's a dumb movie. It's a dumb premise. And it ends in an incredibly dumb way. But I want to ask again, like, if you took the sharks out of it, would this even be a satisfying, like, crime drama at all? No. I mean, it's so stupid and corny. And honestly, the acting is so bad in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just terrible. Even Stephen Baldwin, who we know is a decent actor, uh, didn't act very well in this. Decent. Would, not great. Decent. I would say employable. <laughs> it's, it's a word. Well, he did a good job in several films. So we know he can act at some point. He can. This is not. A, this is not meant to like showcase his ability. Obviously, um, I, I, you know, I, I'd wonder if there wouldn't be a decent story buried in this piece of crap somewhere. But it's not what we have. The movie we have has sharks that go on a rampage for reasons, right? And then we get a big mm-hmm. shootout in the end. And of course, I mean, it has to end with we throw the bad guy into the the fish, right? Who are been waiting to turn on him anyway? Because I don't know. He gave him a terrible job. So hide some gold. So, so the, of course, that's how Vito's got to go down. It's cliched. It's kind of stupid. It's not very fun to watch. And that's the sad thing. Like, when, when I watch a movie like Sharks in Venice, I'm not expecting, you know, a Clockwork Orange or something like that. Like, I'm, I'm not even expecting Dark Man, you know, or something. <laughs> I just want something that can be fun, right? And that's yeah. the problem with this movie is there's about four minutes of fun in the hundred in the hour and twenty eight minutes that it exists, and that is a poor ratio. That's a very poor ratio, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think it sums everything up pretty well right there. I mean, it's eighty eight minutes of garbage. Yeah, well, eighty four minutes of garbage with four minutes of fun, but yeah. was it enough? I, I guess for posterity's sake, we've got to do. Final recommendations, thoughts, and popcorn ratings. So what are yours for Sharks in Venice? Well, I'm glad we finally took the plunge and watched this movie because now I can throw this thing away <laughs> into the trash because I don't want to see it again. Um, this is the uh, popcorn that is picked up after the movie's over and they're cleaning <laughs> the, the, the movie theater. It's that popcorn. Nobody's wow. going to eat that crap. It's going right in the trash. Just like this movie will. <laughs> it's, it's that bad. It's yeah. so bad, Jay, that let's just look here. IMDb, if you go out there and look at this film, scores a 2.5 out of 10 from 1,700 reviews. And it's got a score of 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. How on earth is that even possible? It should possible? be one, but it has a 14%. I mean, this is this is really bad, folks. I mean, we're talking major bad. So those are two pretty good sources to find out a good overall feel of a movie, and this rate's way down there. I think Leprechaun's worse than that. Uh, no, no. This was saying, like, there are leprechauns that had zeros. <laughs> like, how did this rank higher than that, dude? That That is blasphemy, in my opinion. Almost stars. Yeah, it, it's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, I was, there are people who like it. Leprechaun 2, which by far is the worst of the series, I would say. Oh, well, maybe Leprechaun 4. But that has a 4.5 yeah. on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... 
if that can get a 4.5 and this gets a 2, a Leprechaun in Space. There we go. That is by far the worst as far as anything goes in Leprechaun lore. 3.5 out of 10. So this scores lower than the two worst Leprechaun movies. Man, this movie wishes it was a Leprechaun movie. It sure does. And I wish it was too because I might actually get some enjoyment out of it, believe it or not. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know where my disc of this is. It's somewhere in storage, and it can just stay there as far as I'm concerned. Like, I'm glad <laughs> we checked it off the list because we have had it for almost nine years now at this point, eight years. But, I, yeah, this just wasn't any fun. And here's the funny thing, though. I watched this like three years ago because we were talking about doing it again or whatever. And we just we skipped it or whatever. But I remember watching it. And had the same reaction to it then as I did now. I barely remember half of it. I don't really care. And I just think it would have been a much better, like, one-hour episode of Hunter instead of, you know, this movie about sharks protecting buried treasure and diving people. It's, it's dumb. It's bad. It's not even any fun. And that's that's the real damning part of this is that it's not that it's stupid. Like we were we reviewed plenty of stupid stuff and had fun with it, right? Like the refrigerator, you know, or yeah. something like that. This movie is not any friggin' fun, and that that's disappointing. <laughs> if you're gonna call it Sharks in Venice, make the shark more the focal point, right? Have a rogue shark that's attacking people for yeah. some stupid reason. I don't know. Yeah, could have been anything, but that's eh, not what we got. So. A small popcorn burnt off the floor, left in the, you know, left out in the open for too long, turned green. It's bad. Like maybe <laughs> one of the least enjoyable things we've ever reviewed. Brian, that's saying something. That's so, saying a lot. We've seen yeah. a lot of Leprechaun. Yeah, we have. Yeah, man. I mean, okay. I will say right now, I would watch Leprechaun two, three, and four on a rotation for days before I would ever watch this again. Okay? Yeah. Because as bad as those movies are, and believe us, folks, they're in the archives. They're bad. Go listen. They're at least fun. Like, they can be fun. They're stupid, but they can be fun. This movie's not any friggin' fun. And that that is the last straw for me on this. Like, maybe the least favorite thing I've reviewed in all of these years of film stroke is Sharks in Venice. I will not be recommending this to anyone. In fact, I don't know that I can convince anyone this actually exists. So, <laughs> if it weren't for us digging it out of the dustbin. But if we've, cons- if we've gotten you to think you want to see this piece of crap, it is available on Popcorn Flicks for yep. the low price of free. Exactly. Which is a ripoff. Uh, well, I mean, it's not free because your time is more valuable than that, people. I promise well, you. Well, there but, you go. Yeah. So, but, you know, it's not even good to keep in the background while you're vacuuming or anything <laughs> like that. Like, there's nothing. Like, go watch a couple of, like, there's two minute clips on YouTube. Just watch those. Like, I will say this the opening sequence, like the, the music and all the diving and stuff, is the best cinematography in the movie. And I'm certain it wasn't shot by anybody associated with the film. It was bought <laughs> from somebody else. But uh, I can, can't prove that, but I'm just going to accuse them of it. Right now, because nobody cares. This movie's 11 years old. So, so well, Brian's been fun revisiting this piece of trash with you once again. Uh, another fun episode here of Film Strip. We've got another episode coming up soon, two weeks away. We do, uh, we do bi-weekly releases now here on Film Strip, but you can find all of our episodes in our archives. So go to our website, filmstrippodcast.com, or go to your favorite podcatcher, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all those kind of places. Just search for Filmstrip Podcast. And if you like the show, folks, leave us a positive review. Please do it. It puts the show out in front a little bit more, helps people find it. We appreciate that support. Brian, tell folks how they can follow you and your vinyl record collecting stuff. 
Yeah, you can follow me if you're a music fan or a vinyl record fan, especially. I do a uh, podcast, not a very regular podcast. It's kind of when I feel like doing it podcast, <laughs> but it's out there. I think uh, we have eight episodes up as we record and uh, more on the way, but uh, it's a, all about all things vinyl. Um, I talk about different things like cleaning your vinyl and storing your vinyl and uh, how to pick a record and what the different things mean as far as uh, quality of the record, things like that. So if you're into that kind of thing, you can find me. Just search up Brian's Vinyl Records and you'll find the podcast on all the same podcatchers that Jay listed earlier. So, you know, if you're into that, go check that out or check out I'm on YouTube and other things, too. So. Yeah, YouTube's really the cool one because you get to see all the visuals with the uh, the artwork and you know, the different stuff that Brian's featuring. So check that out. You can follow us on Twitter at FilmstripPod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at JSkipworth. And you can follow me at BrianThomas878. Fantastic. So, folks, thanks again for your support. We're glad you joined us for this ride. And we'll be back again soon for another episode of Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.